0: Hey, I'm Dr. Judy, and welcome to Supercharged Life, where I help you discover new ways to create success, wellness, and fulfillment, and give you tangible tools to supercharge your life. Today, I wanna discuss the benefits of experiencing wonder. One of my favorite ways to experience awe and fascination is through the art of magic. You might not know this about me, but I'm a totally crazy nerd for magic, and my interest in magic started as a child, When I saw my first magic show, I'm the kind of person who will watch magic shows and then go deep into reddits and subreddits to talk to other magic fans, amateur and pro magicians, to find out how magic tricks were done. And in just a few moments, we are going to talk to one of the best magicians in the world about how he creates enchantment and extraordinary experiences every day through his work. But first, why is it important for us to make a conscious effort to experience wonder regularly? Science shows that there are clear benefits to nurturing what we think of as childlike qualities. Do you remember that sense of wonder that came so naturally to you as a child? I still remember what it felt like when I could just play hopscotch or sit on the swings for hours without getting bored. Or the first time I looked up at the sky to the stars with my parents or building a fort from leftover boxes and blankets with my sister and had the time pass by so quickly because I was having so much fun. As we grow older, it's natural that we start to lose a bit of this capacity for wonder, especially if we aren't consciously seeking it out. The reason why it's an uphill battle as we get older is that the realities and responsibilities of adult life start to take up our time, energy, and attention. And we also start to suffer the traps of our own minds because when we get exposed to the same thing over and over again, we habituate and that novelty wears off. Plus, daily stresses can take you far away from the part of yourself that is able to stop and find excitement and mystery in everyday activities. But I'm here to encourage you to seek out that childlike wonder today and to cultivate and renew this ability that came so naturally to you as a child, because there are a lot of benefits. Research shows that when we experience wonder and awe, it will greatly benefit our performance, well-being, and sense of purpose. Awe helps to inspire curiosity and creativity and greatly enriches our lives. The regular experience of awe can improve physical and mental health, including lowering the risk of depression, heart disease, type two diabetes, and arthritis, according to a 2015 study conducted by researchers from my alma mater at UC Berkeley. And for you busy bees out there, a study published in Psychological Science shows that those who experienced awe actually felt like they had more time available, including time to give to others. They were less impatient and experienced greater life satisfaction. And the effects of an awe-inspiring experience can linger long after the experience ends. For example, researchers at the University of Pennsylvania found that astronauts have often reported transformational experiences when they looked back at Earth, a phenomenon that has been dubbed the overview effect. They frequently return to Earth with an increased sense of connection to others. And don't we all need more of that? So what does it mean to experience wonder and awe? It can mean so many different things, big and small, from being overwhelmed with the beauty of nature's greatest creations like the beach or mountains, imagining the limits of outer space, observing a phenomenal piece of art, or even rediscovering an old hobby that used to bring you so much joy when you were little. As I mentioned earlier, one of my favorite ways to tap into the sense of wonder regularly is through the art of magic. I've been awestruck by magic since I was a child. Magic is so many things. It creates awe and astonishment, often with common objects like a deck of cards. It opens the window to our imagination and causes us to consider the limits of what's possible. It gives us an opportunity to take a break from our daily responsibilities and stress and to experience excitement, fascination, and aspirational thinking. It's an art form that involves both the analytical and creative sides of our brains in perfect balance and requires dedication and commitment to achieve greatness. And in that way, it can inspire us and provide a boost in motivation to go after our own dreams, whatever they are. And this is why I'm so excited to talk to my brilliant guest today. Shin Lim is a world-renowned magician who is simply one of the best of our generation in the world of magic. So buckle up and get ready to experience awe, wonder, and fascination again and learn how Shin achieves this every day for himself and provides a forum for others to experience the same. Hey, all you true crime fans. This is Mike Ferguson. And this is Mike Morf. So I'm so pumped and I want to talk a little bit about what Shin has been up to in his career. Shin is a world-famous sleight-of-hand magician, a true theatrical artist, and I am a huge fan of his work. He is a 2015 FISM world champion for close-up card magic, which is like the Olympics of magic for those of you guys who are in the know. And he's also the only person in the world to win America's Got Talent Two times in 2018 and 2019 he's been featured on Penn and Teller twice on stage and once during the pandemic online and his very first performance with them went viral with over 63 million views to date and he has in total successfully fooled them three out of three times with his mind bending tricks. He has a hugely popular show, Limitless, at the Mirage in Las Vegas, where he redefines the art of magic by performing carefully self-choreographed routines rather than tricking the audience and pretending to defy the laws of physics. Shin is respected by esteemed magicians everywhere and is an inspiration to so many people, including me. He's truly masterful at his craft, and I can't wait for our conversation and have you all get to know him, too. So please welcome the one and only all-inspiring Shin Lim. Yay!
1: Thank you so (laughs) much for having me, Dr. Judy.
0: Oh, my goodness. I'm so excited to talk to you. As I mentioned, I'm a huge fan of your work, and I've loved magic since I was a little kid. Um, Much more on the audience side, of course, than the performing side, but... It's just this amazing thing. The first time you see a magic trick and you just know that something's not possible. So how Mm does, how do magicians do it? And you kind of, that sticks with you. That experience really sticks with you. And I I was wondering when you first became interested in magic yourself and what was that first experience like for you?
1: You know, I think you and I have the exact same experience with magic because I, I experienced it the same way when I was a kid, I was like, wow, this is real. Like what he's doing is real. Like this isn't like, fake stuff. Like I thought magic was real. Um, I I, I first started learning magic uh, when I was 16. Um, My older brother showed me like a really simple card trick called the slip force. You might know it. Uh, And I, it was the first time ever that I was like, whoa, this is actually like anyone can learn it. It wasn't some like, you didn't have to be born with special gifts or you didn't have to be like part of some cult to be able to to learn black magic like you could actually learn like sleight of hand um and specifically on youtube for me that was so interesting and also I thought that you know magic might get me a girlfriend so that's kind (laughs) of why I started (laughs) um but then it turns out you have to talk to women so then I was like okay never mind but it did regardless it it became like a kind of magic became more of a something I became obsessed with because there was so much more than just. Being awed by because there's the complete there's the other side of it you know where you are the magician and you know the secrets and then you are performing it and it's a whole other type of artistry completely different from viewing it. Um, I actually like to I, I like to relate magic a lot of times to cooking um, because with cooking it's it's very similar. You have a secret and then you have the way you prepare it the method and then you have the performance aspect of it and the, the presentation of the meal. And then, yeah, of course, you have the sleight of hand, which is the the cutting of, of the, the the how the way you dice things up and the way you prepare the food. You know, there is there, it's 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 like it's a whole performance. You know, it's not it's it's very different from I would say like piano even sometimes or even like uh I don't know dice stacking or something like that. There is there is so many different nuances to magic, and and I think that's what really got me really obsessed with it because there's so many different aspects of it.
0: Absolutely. And I love the parallel that you drew to cooking and chefs, because I think that they also see those nuances in their particular form of art. But especially Yushin, the way that you perform magic, there are so many layers. Uh, I have some of your tricks. First of all, I'm a totally amateur beginner, just for hobby, you know, sakes, magician. So, I, I think I, I, I really, I did not realize how hard this was going to be, but as I was watching your instructional video, just understanding, yes, there's the technique, but then there's the performance. And I've seen you perform 50 shades of red in several different performances and obviously the artistry of it and how you actually do it even beyond doing the technical part is its own thing. So how did you come up with your particular style of magic because I see it as being something that is so beautiful, so well choreographed. There's this huge balance between precision, but also that artistry. And going back to piano, because I know that you played A lot of piano. And I want to talk to you about that. I I also played Mm -hmm. piano like a good Chinese American kid just like (laughs) was made to play piano. But I also really appreciate it Um, there. Everybody can play the same concerto, right? It's like the same piece. But there is a difference in how it's executed and the artistic expression of it all.
1: Yeah, uh, I, I I think my technical aspect of it uh, came definitely from the piano experience uh, because with piano, as as you know, like it takes a lot of practice. You got to practice like eight hours a day, and it takes a lot of dedication. It takes a lot of uh, <laughs> pain actually <laughs> with your fingers. Like you got to really practice um, moving each finger and stretching it. And so I think the precision for magic came from the piano. Um, picking up sleight of hand was actually. Was very easy for me. Um, I think it, uh, in general, when it comes to actual sleight of hand, piano is far more difficult than magic. I think um, because magic, it's you know the the sleights aren't necessarily the same. See, with piano, it's it's a lot of it's almost like typing, right? You got to type really fast, um, and not only that, but the keys are also heavy, so you got to really have strength to push down on it. With magic, it's different. You're more stretching your hands in ways that you probably shouldn't, but it's it's not so much. Uh, Hard pressure on the wrists, um, and so I find I find it easier to to, to practice uh, sleight of hand card magic. Um, but when it came to mixing, uh, you know, the, the the performance aspect, the 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 whole atmosphere of everything, uh, I think it just you know it, it's it's kind of adding my personality to it. Uh, that's 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 kind of the main aspect. It's kind of like what I want to see the whole uh, picture to be like but at the same time it's uh, a lot of it comes from just feeling uh, the music actually so a lot of the performances uh, that you see me when i'm whatever facial expressions i have whatever movements i'm doing uh, those aren't actually practiced i uh, whatever i'm feeling at that moment with the music that's what's giving me that kind of uh, the, mo- the movement so any i all and that's how i always perform and if Like there, there are days when I don't actually, uh, when I when I'm like not in sync with the music, and you can tell a massive difference with the way I'm performing. So uh, it really, it really has to do with getting kind of in the groove with the music, and that helps me uh, perform. Um, and then when I'm not performing with any music, so when I'm just performing with patter, I try my best to connect with the with the spectator and then get the energy from them. But that's kind of generally how I balanced out the whole like performance aspect with the atmosphere and then with the technical abilities comes with, of course, practice.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I love your choice of music. I think we share some of the same musical taste because M83 oh. and Hans Zimmer, like, yeah. I love that yeah. <laughs> atmospheric music that really yeah. brings you into the act in a totally different way. And what I really appreciate about your magic is obviously everybody has different forms. Some people are a bit more slapstick, maybe they're more straight humor, almost like a stand-up. but yours is very theatrical. And I can see how maybe some of those influences from your piano playing also perhaps came into it, that everything feels very grand, you know, like playing at a grand piano and, and just having that sort of moment and that type of presence on stage and i know that your earlier track of career was actually to be a piano player you actually went to college on scholarship yeah. for that right
1: yeah that was like my goal like in life like ever since i was 11 i well actually so funny story i was supposed to be a my my dad wanted me to be a violinist like every good asian parent yeah does and and so he gave me a violin he's like all right you're gonna be a violinist and I played it, and I didn't like it, so I actually smashed the violin in <laughs> front of them, saying, "I don't want to play the violin anymore. Uh, I want to play the piano instead." So he was like, "Okay, fine, we'll play the piano." Because I had to play a musical instrument. You know, that, was, that was just a, to 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 be culturally uh, educated. And so I um, so I played I played the piano ever since I was eleven. But you know, it was actually even though you know, of course, you know, they they were pretty strict on me with the amount of times I had to practice it still became something I was like okay I'm actually pretty good at this like my piano teachers are telling me I'm good at it and, and you know they, they weren't they weren't like just saying it just to be nice they were Asian too so they were telling me the truth <laughs> um, uh, but they you know they, yeah I, I was like okay this is actually something I'm good at and I wasn't very good at everything else so that's why like piano was like my thing I was terrible at math I was terrible at everything actually English was probably the only thing and analytical English essay papers were probably the only thing I was good at, um, but everything else was terrible. Um, and so, yeah, so piano was like my main thing I was doing all through high school and, and of course into college. And then, but then mid- midway through, I actually uh, developed carpal tunnel syndrome, um, which is why it kind of forced me to almost withdraw from piano and then kind of switch my careers. It, it actually, you could say it was almost a blessing in disguise because then I, I was forced into magic but, you know, I, I people always say, oh, well, you, you must feel terrible that you're not playing the piano. And while that's partly true, I've actually took a lot of my experience from piano and brought it to magic. So the way I perform my magic is exactly how I perform my music. So like if you ask my my parents, so they they've been the only ones who actually saw me like since piano and now magic the performance is exactly the same to them the way I move everything is the same the grand uh, atmosphere everything is all the same so in a way I don't not I'm not too sad that I had to stop playing the piano because I'm still I'm still getting to kind of express myself through the same way just in a different art form now it's magic instead of piano
0: Absolutely. Yeah, it's so funny. I mean, I definitely think we have some similarities in our upbringing. I was also forced to play the violin because that is just a very beautiful instrument to many Asian parents. Maybe I was never that good at the violin. I just wasn't able to necessarily be top notch. And I I wasn't really that way with piano either. But piano was definitely the better instrument. And at one point, I remember asking my parents if I could quit Either instrument, and they said no. But no. my sister, <laughs> no. yeah, no. But my sister, who's younger than me, asked to quit both instruments, and they said yes. So, you know, we weren't treated the same, but I am so glad that I have music and piano in my life, and it is such a good stress reliever for me and just a great hobby. But when you were unable to play the piano, and when you had learned that you had carpal tunnel, so really, I mean, you literally couldn't, was magic the next thing on? Your, the list? Or did you not really know what you were going to do next? Because you had been so singularly focused on your piano career?
1: Yeah, yeah, it wasn't like an immediate like, oh, yeah, piano, this is it. I mean, sorry, magic. This is it. I, I, it took me like a year to kind of like transition and kind of get over my depression from like seeing my entire life goal just crumble down. I, um, I had withdrew from college. Uh, I think it was it was actually the, after my second year. And, you know, the pain, the pain in the wrist was just getting so, so intense, uh, to the point where I couldn't even like pick up my phone or a glass of water. Like it got that painful. Um, but you know, the pain kind of was actually started developing already in high school. I just didn't know what it was. Uh, and I just kept going through it. I was like, oh, maybe my hands are just, it's being a wuss. I just keep fighting through it. Um, not a good idea. I should have rested. (laughs) And, uh. And so, yeah, when the doctor was like, okay, you need to stop. You need to stop playing piano just for a year. Just take a breath, like take, take a break and just see if we can uh, it can get better. And so within that year was that transition period where I, w- I, I was kind of I was depressed. I, I had no idea what my life was going to be like because my entire uh, vision of, of how I saw myself was I was going to be this concert pianist, you know, traveling the world, yep. being able to perform on stages and stuff. And that was all over uh, in a way kind of, uh, you know, for me, I, I, I had that kind of optimistic outlook of, okay, maybe next year things will get better. Um, but then I had magic. And so I, I, I knew, you know, uh, magic for me at, at that time, it wasn't really hurting my hands too much. It still does affect the, 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 the wrist. So I can't practice too much, um, but I, I, I was still able to practice during that kind of off period. Um, And I was also doing competitions and it was actually in 2012 um, that I had, I didn't win. I got sixth place at FISM, the Olympics of Magic you're talking about. And it was from that, that I was then offered my very first magic tour. One of the agents that were there at FISM, because a lot of agents and managers, they tend to go to FISM to scout new talent. Uh, he took a risk risk on me and brought me to to china to do a, a two month tour in china and that was where i actually got my very first like paid paid tour gig which was insane and so for me wow. i was like oh wow i can actually like make money from this i can make a living from this and so i was like okay uh, this is amazing i i learned a lot from it that's also where i learned to fully not speak that's when i decided i was like i would i was going to do magic all to music and it was a funny story because actually I was uh, I tried to learn Chinese for that tour. <laughs> and then uh, I, I spoke in Chinese on the very first performance. And it turns out my the manager came after the show and he was like, yeah, man. Uh, so none of them understood a single word you're saying, uh, m- mainly because because you had an American accent with the Chinese. And at the same time, you look Chinese. So they were very confused about that. <laughs> and why you couldn't speak it properly <laughs> uh, uh, and I was like oh man okay this is terrible so, uh, so I was like all right I'm gonna I need to rethink it and that's why I decided all right I'm gonna try cutting all all talking out and just focus on the music and, and it worked and it became a, a new thing a new style um, and then from that tour I got so many other agents and managers who were looking at me and with, like saw my magic and saw my performance and I kept getting gigs after that um, and so it kind yeah that's how that's how it all happened and and then I I you know I kept saying okay I'll go back to school once I finish this <laughs> gig and then one gig kept coming after another, right um, and then yeah
0: yeah and your career just started flourishing so Penn and Teller saw you also and then invited you to go on their yeah, show yeah yeah in two
1: thousand fifteen
0: right and that first clip of your first performance for them went crazy viral. It has yeah, over 63 yeah. million views now and it's still growing. So, what was that like? Did you just wake up one day and you looked on YouTube and you noticed that your yeah, video had gone Yeah, it was viral?
1: crazy. It was crazy. So, <laughs> I I hadn't been really posting that much on YouTube and but I had known like the kind of like algorithms and like how like the view counts work. So, when I first posted that video, it actually stayed at 300 views for the first day. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh okay, maybe people don't really like this. And then the next day it was still at 300 views. So I was like, huh, okay, maybe people don't really like this. <laughs> okay, great. And then but then a couple of hours after that it just shot up to a million. So I was like, oh, okay, well so so I think I think the counting had some sort of error or something like that. And then all of a sudden, it kept getting a million after the next day and the next day and the next day, and it just it was just spreading like crazy, way more than I ever anticipated. And I think I think you know there was I guess some there's probably an international uh, vibe to it because you know it's it's all silent, so everywhere around the world could could kind of watch it and understand it rather than being a speaking act.
0: And I think the fact that it's not a speaking act and it's based around music, which is obviously a universal language is probably what makes it so special because not a lot of people are doing that. And I think after you really popularize your style, I have definitely seen other people who probably were inspired by your style and trying to do it, but they are not really doing it exactly the way that you are. But I'm sure sure it, it must feel good sometimes to see that you're inspiring maybe other people to think about magic in this much more theatrical way that's just beautiful as opposed to oh, it's a big slapstick thing or, oh, this is kind of just for, you know, giggles, like your, your approach to magic, you take the craft very seriously and you kind of lean into that a lot more than I think a lot of the magicians that are out there.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I do, I do take any art form seriously, whether it be magic, piano, anything. I mean, if you love something, you have to take it seriously, you know, you have to put effort into it. Um, because if you don't, then either, uh, you don't care about it that much (laughs) or, or you're just being lazy. Um, I mean, for me, I, I am, I, I do call myself actually a very lazy Asian and a very lazy magician. Um, I, I don't practice as much as all the other like purest sleight of hand guys do. Some, some of those guys practice like a lot. Um, I mean, the main reason why is because I, I can't practice too much just physically. Um, but I, uh, I do, I do believe in like, you know being able to kind of practice like in your head and, and I do a lot of visual practicing actually um, to, mm-hmm. to be able to help with that so uh, so yeah it, it does help with the practice aspect of it um but yeah it's 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 cool to see other magicians um, performing it silently I it all I mean for me it all happened of course accidentally you know <laughs> I, I didn't speak because I wasn't you know I was in China and I was like oh man I can't I can't learn the language so I was going to do it silently. Um, and I'm actually naturally very much an introvert, so I actually don't really like public speaking at all. So uh, to me, it just kind of came naturally to, to 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 music. But yeah, I mean, I think I think there's just so many different ways you can perform magic, and so for me, that's cool, you know. And and I think it's cool that more people are doing it silently now. You know, it's yeah, it's just it's just a different style. That's all. But in my show, I. I do talk and I'm not I'm not fully mute, so um.
0: <laughs> well tell me a little bit about your show. I know that you have this great residency right now called Limitless. What can people expect from the show when it resumes? And I hope it resumes sooner rather than later because I really miss going to shows.
1: Yeah. I mean and it's only when it's safe. Yes. And only when it's safe. I for me I've been I've been very much okay with not performing at all. Yeah. You know, I'd I'd rather if like if I had known that one of my audience members got sick from my show I I don't think I could live with myself so I'd rather just not start until everything is just totally fine um because it's not worth it you know it's not worth trying to to push through even though (laughs) yeah especially (laughs) especially for a lot because my theater is is actually um it has a lot of seats in it um, so if if it's a fully crowded theater it can be very dangerous so um however some of the smaller shows in Vegas have been able to open um, but once everything does open up and everything's safe to do uh, I it's gonna be a, a completely new show so the show that I've been performing currently uh, with my kind of partner in crime, uh, Colin cloud he's like a mentalist he's, he's really good uh, he uh, so that that show, was kind of, it was a little bit rough because, I mean, it was good. It was, it was very good. It got very good ratings. <laughs> I mean, not ratings, it got very good reviews, but, <laughs> but it, it, it it's just, it wasn't what we wanted because we actually had to share the theater with um, Terry Fader mm-hmm. at the Mirage. So it was actually his theater. So we had to kind of work around all his props and everything like that. But um, now it's my theater. So once we go back to normal, I'm going to be able to just completely revamp the entire thing and just make it however I want. So it's going to be really nice. Uh, and You're going to, of course, see a lot of the musical acts and stuff like that. But um, you also get to see um, me talk a little bit more as well.
0: So fun. And you and Terry also have another uh, piece of similarity, which that you guys were both on AGT. And yeah. you were both yeah. champions of AGT, but you were a champion twice, too, back-to-back, which is crazy. <laughs> what was that experience yeah. like? So, by the way, I love AGT, and I watch it all the time. And I'm always rooting for the magicians. No, no, I mean, no offense to the singers. There are so many singers, but there's also other shows that feature singers. So I always love it when AGT brings other elements in. And, of course, because yeah. of my own, you know, because I'm a fan of magic, I, I love always seeing the magic acts but it was just so cool to get to see you win back to back so what was that like for you
1: uh it was crazy i was crazy for doing that That (laughs) it was very well first of all i'm I'm never i'm never gonna do that again uh that's for sure Uh, because agt is is just you know in general it's a very stressful experience because of the live aspect of it when things are live especially with such a big show like agt uh things can get really crazy, you know, props can get misplaced, people lose things. Uh for for me it was that and also um like licensing music. Like they weren't able to license the music like a day or two before the airing. So I would have to change my music last minute. And then I would have to then resynchronize my entire act to that song. And so it it was very, very stressful. But having to the to do that twice was uh, not fun. So, <laughs> yeah, and and so actually, Champions was actually shot only a week after AGT too.
0: Oh. So oh. yeah,
1: it wasn't actually it wasn't uh it wasn't a year later. It was only a week after. So they only aired it a year later. Right. But yeah, it, it was. Oh man, it was. It was a crazy experience, um, but I mean, of course, it's something that I'm forever grateful for and uh, and will remember for the rest of my life. But yeah, I'm never going to do that again. No, it <laughs> sounds
0: crazy. I mean, it's like a huge yeah. production. You can see that from just watching TV, and there's just so many mm-hmm. elements of it. What was your favorite part about being on that show? I think
1: it was kind. Of, it it was definitely the not knowing of every, like what was going to happen and mm. it was kind of like that unknown um and and also experiencing kind of change uh change not 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 just like in what's happening with my life or whatever but it was a change okay. in, of myself and my act um and how i kind of portray myself and i i really stepped out of my comfort zone by talking because i had never spoke before on on tv um in terms of like, like a live performance, I've never actually talked before. And I think being on AGT, you know, the silent acts were great. They were really good. They, people really liked them, but I needed to like kind of step out of my comfort zone and, and do a little bit more than just that. Um, and I think AGT really kind of forced me to do that because uh, Simon Cowell was like, Shin, you gotta do something else. And I was like, okay. <laughs> of course a lot of the producers too were like, Hey, why don't you, Make something, make it bigger. Uh, you know, try talking or something like that. And so, yeah, that was that for me was the biggest thing that I took out of AGT and learned as well. I was like, wow, I I can talk, you know, and I, I can do this. Uh, it was something that I totally doubted myself on, but yeah,
0: yeah. And I feel like a big theme that's emerging is just being stretched out of your comfort zone. Obviously you know, when you had to give up piano and you had to find a new career, that was one type of stretching out of your comfort zone, going to China and not really speaking the language well, then you had to develop a whole different type of act. That's another theme there about being stretched out of your comfort zone. Same thing with the feedback that Simon gives you and like what Simon says goes, right? I mean, you just like,
1: (laughs) yeah, anything he says you got to do. because then
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He's really the one in charge. Um, but obviously now we're all being stretched to be out of our comfort zones too. I mean, as you said that COVID, the safety of it is so important. I really do miss going to live shows so much, but I also know, just like you said, that we have to do it at a time when it feels relaxing. I mean, right now, when I leave my house and I'm just walking around the neighborhood doing an errand, if somebody walks at me and they don't have their mask on, Mm -hmm. I automatically freeze up, right? So even just a walk is not comfortable right now, you know? yeah. So My friends
1: who are performing actually right now in Vegas, they're saying the exact same thing. They're like, if you ever want to have your uh well, what did he say your 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 ego pinned down to the ground go try performing in Vegas right now because apparently <sighs> everyone's just like really uneasy when they're sitting in the theater cuz they're just kind of like mm-hmm. so the the atmosphere just isn't isn't the right kind of atmosphere, and and you know when you're when you're trying to watch an entertainment show, you're supposed to escape, right? And yes. You're not exactly escaping when everyone's wearing a face shield mask. And, like, oh, I know. It's not. Yeah.
0: It's it's, <laughs> it's too not, real. Not but but thank goodness for social media, and thank goodness we can still see you performing tricks. I follow you on both Instagram and also on TikTok, and I see that you have mm-hmm. been doing lots of fun tricks. You've been t- teaching your wife tricks. She's really good. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's like she's a really good. Le- I mean, she's a quick learner, I guess you know, cause she's very, 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 yeah. very good at what she does too. So Shin, I'm so fascinated by your style of magic. And I was just wondering what inspires you to create a new trick? How do you start the process? You know, what is it like for you?
1: Yeah. So uh, I do get asked this question a lot. And also people always tend to always say, Oh, you're like a genius. You're like, you always create from nothing. And I say, no, I'm the, I'm complete opposite of that. I actually don't think I create anything original. I really don't. I always Take it from whatever is already existing. Um, the only difference that I ever do to 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 make an act like original is by putting my own twist to it, which is putting my style and atmosphere. It, it's just it's when you add those little things, it just makes it seem totally different. So like especially a lot of maybe magicians aspiring young magicians that are out there, um, you know, it, it might feel very daunting at first when when you're seeing all these big name magicians, you know, apparently creating new insanely different uh, techniques and stuff like that. But really, for, for me at least, it all, all it is is I, I take stuff that I already know and those things that have already been created and I say, okay, how can I add my own style to this? How can I add my own uh, flair? And you'll notice that, especially once you kind of figured out yourself, figured out what your style is, what you like and stuff like that. Once you know that, it's so much easier to change what's already out there to fit that style. And then once you do that, it seems completely different. But if you actually watch like like Judy, you have 50, 52 shades of red, right? Mm-hmm. So that, that whole act is nothing new. None of none of that's actually really new. It's 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 just that it's just been tweaked in a certain direction. Uh and now all of a sudden it seems new. And it, it even fools magicians that maybe they knew the method beforehand, you know, they knew the where, where it originated from. But because it's just been tweaked just a little bit with my style, with my flair, all of a sudden it's fooling to them and they have no idea how it works. And so my inspiration really isn't so much like, oh, I look up at the blue sky and then I see the clouds and then I figure, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. oh, I imagine this in my head. No, it's it's more so if you know what you want, if you know what your style is and you know what you have to offer to the to, to the performance, it makes it so much easier for you to just... To, to grab anything any any old trick any anything that's already been created and then you just put your your touches to it and then now it's now it's yours it becomes something completely unique and i think that that is what artistry is mm-hmm. um i think artistry is, is the art of magic is, is is quite different from like the inventing side of it like the complete like creation process because that's more like scientific almost right. when it comes to like building and like inventing a completely new idea like i think for me that's like I'm not smart enough to do that. I wish I could do that. But for me, it's more, I just, I tend to just orchestrate things together, music and style and stuff like that.
0: Right. And I think what you're saying is that there is so much of your, your personality, your individuality, your tastes and preferences that goes into the ultimate culmination of how that magic trick turns out. But but there, of course, is that technical side, which you've talked about, not only the practicing when you're doing sleight of hand like you do, but also just the technical side of building the magic trick. And that was something that I found with 52 Shades of Red. I'm like, this is so much work. <laughs>
1: um, I, a lot of work. It's, it's a lot of work. A yeah, lot of it's, work. It's, it's, it's like cooking. Got a yeah. lot of, there's a lot of preparation. There's a lot of like, uh, you know, putting things together before you actually do the sleight of hand. Yeah. Um, but.
0: There's, there's not that many shortcuts really for that part, but I, but I love that you brought up visual practicing. I know that you mentioned that earlier. And I wanted to talk about that because people don't realize that visualization is a true form of practice. It's a mental practice. Oh my God. Right. It works really well.
1: It works really well. Not in just practicing. It works. I use it all the time for my life. (laughs) Like I use it, uh, I use it to kind of like, like for AGT, I visualized myself winning, even though I had no idea I was going to win. But I, I visualized <coughs> myself winning. I did. I, I visualized myself wow. on stage, them calling my name. For pen and Teller Fooless, it was the exact same way. For FISM, it was the exact same way. I visualized myself winning on FISM. Um, and then for practicing, I visualized myself practicing. I visualized my fingers actually moving in the, the direction it needs to move. And it really helps because, you know, we all don't have that much time in, in our days. Uh, You know, we're all really busy. And so sometimes we're waiting an hour for an appointment. And during that hour, I don't have anything on me. So I just visualize it in my head. And and it actually, it helps. It works a lot.
0: Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, there's real neurochemical evidence of it working. It's a real science in terms of what people talk about in terms of mental practice athletes use it. Like you said, it's good to visualize yourself winning or getting to a positive outcome. So I'm so glad that you brought that up because like you said, you know, we only have so many hours in the day and sometimes you're tired, you're laying on your couch, but you can still be doing something productive during that time by visualizing yes. these outcomes, which is so neat. Okay. You guys, I'm so excited about this. Shin is going to show us one of his favorite magic tricks that you can all do from home to while your family and friends. So go to my Instagram at Dr. Judy Ho, and you will see a great, Video where he teaches you how to do this magic trick from home. Thank you so much again, Shin, for sharing everything today. And again, like I said, I'm a huge fan. Can't wait to keep following your career. Where can people find out more about you?
1: Uh, well, you can follow me on my socials at uh, Shinlin Magic, and then uh, also my website, shinlimmagic.com. It used to have show dates, but it doesn't right now. <laughs> but um, and you can subscribe to my newsletter for like uh, really like if you want to know more about magic or if you want to learn magic and stuff like that.
0: So amazing.
1: Mostly my socials to keep up to date with shows and stuff like that.
0: Yeah. So everybody check out Shin at his website, sign up for his newsletter, and also check him out on social media. And one day, Shin, when I finish learning this trick, I will email your mom because I know that that's how I contact you. And then I'll let her know that I'm finally ready to at least perform the technical aspects of your trick. Oh,
1: (laughs) Uh, you're good. You can you can send it to me directly now. So <laughs> I'm cleared. <laughs> I'm you've, cleared. Pa- you've, passed mo- you've passed the mother barrier now. So you're good.
0: <laughs> mother test. It's so great. Well, yes. again, thank yes. you so much. It was so great to get to talk to you and get to know you today.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me.
0: Oh my gosh, you guys, I really feel like I'm fangirling right now, but I respect and admire Shin so much. And it was so great to get to know him on this podcast. And I want to talk about the takeaways, the big supercharged secret of the day, which is how you can find wonder and experience it every day of your life. The first tip is to actively seek out wonder. Maintaining this childlike wonder cultivates a creative mind and it amps up your productivity and makes every day extraordinary. Did you know that throughout his life, Albert Einstein would retain the intuition and the awe of a child? He never lost a sense of wonder at the magic of nature. In fact, he wrote his friend later in life, people like you and me never grow old. We never cease to stand like curious children before the great mystery into which we were born. And because Einstein maintained his childlike sense of wonder, he was able to follow his curiosity and make his most notable discoveries in science. You remember when you were a kid, you were enchanted by simple things in the natural world that some adults probably find a bit uninspiring or even ordinary, but that unique mindset really allows children to view their world with joy. It's all about perspective, viewing life through a lens filled with awe. So Plan a visit to your local museum or art gallery, get outside, try to discover it for the first time, find something new in your everyday environment, or maybe revisit an old hobby like I did. Magic has become an indispensable hobby to me, especially during the pandemic. So I invite you to find something every single day that you can experience joy and wonder with. The second tip is to document your experiences to really have this hit home journal about how you felt during these activities or tell someone about it. This will help you to further cement that wonder, that awe, that sense of fascination in your mind and strengthen that memory and the feelings that the activities evoked. The third tip is to create magic and wonder yourself So Shin is an amazing example of this. He creates magic and wonder every day. And I actually got to learn some of that today from him when he showed me his magic tricks. But everybody is born creative and free spirited. As adults, though, we rein in our creativity because our beliefs about how we should act in the grown up world takes over. We become aware of the fact that people can judge us or that people will talk behind our backs, for example. And that ends up leading to you tempering your own naturalistic and creative intentions. When we were little kids, when we weren't aware that people could judge us, we really felt differently. You just did whatever the heck you wanted to do. So try to find that carefree expression again. There's so many different studies that have shown that this is a real phenomenon. A couple of studies have shown, for example, that when they ask adults to imagine themselves as seven-year-olds, And the more that the adult acts and thinks like a child would in that moment, the more imaginative and creative they become. And don't worry about the judgment. I'm a terrible hobbyist magician. I am not good as a magician. But whenever I practice or perform my magic trick for others, I evoke a sense of wonder for myself when I can get it right. Recently, we also discussed how to achieve flow on a QA episode of this podcast. And that also helps you to tap into that creative zone where you're vibing. So go back and listen to that podcast for some other ideas of how to create magic and wonder yourself every day. The fourth tip is to break your routine and your daily rules just a little. Most of the rules that we live by are those that we impose on ourselves, but a little novelty is great for our brain. So decide to take the night off spontaneously. Give yourself one unscheduled day on the weekend and ask yourself from moment to moment what you like to do and then just do it. It's a great way to reclaim your work play balance and help you to put fun back on your to-do list and as an aspirational life goal. And the final tip is to be fearless and dream big. Like Shin, when one door closes, another opens. He thought he was going to be a concert pianist. That was his singular goal. Then he got carpal tunnels and he had to switch. But It was amazing because then he found his second love and now he's so appreciative of the new career that he has and he's amazing at it. Life is too short to dwell on past mistakes, lost opportunities, or worry about failing again. If you fail again today, try again tomorrow or use the visualization tips that Shin talked about today. There's a real science behind visualization. Olympians, all kinds of elite athletes, top CEOs, business people, they all use visualization. Mental practice and visualizing positive outcomes really does lead to more of you developing the skills that you need to achieve those positive outcomes. So really thinking for the best and deciding to be fearless will help you to dream big regardless of where you are in your life right now. One of my favorite quotes is from C.S. Lewis. He once said that, you are never too old to set another goal or to dream a new dream. So what's your dream today? That's my challenge for you. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. And if you like the show and you want to learn more, follow me at Dr. Judy Ho. Remember to subscribe, download, and tell your friends. And take a moment to leave a review. It'll mean a lot to me. I'm Dr. Judy, and remember, anytime is a great time to supercharge your life. This podcast has been produced by Stage 29 Productions for entertainment purposes only. The contents of this podcast does not constitute medical, psychological, or professional advice, do not reflect the opinions of this company, any of its parent companies, affiliates, subsidiaries, promotional sponsors, or advertising agencies. The views expressed by the hosts and guests are their own and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. For medical, psychological, or other advice appropriate to your specific situation, please consult a physician, a psychologist, or other trained professional. For more information, please go to stage29.tv.